0: Okay, well, let's go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing on our study this evening. So let's uh, stand in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we are in constant need of thy direction, uh, wisdom, and understanding. Uh, For we are frail, um, in ourselves, we are ignorant from our nature we inherited from Adam Uh, we have blindness and we still have blind spots we ask Lord that thou would illuminate our minds and our understanding help us to see uh, first and foremost uh, the changes that need to be wrought within our own lives even before we see the changes that need to be wrought in the lives of others, that Thou would, by Thy grace, uh, give to us the strength, the the encouragement to, uh, to apply Thy truth even to our lives today, that we would not be mere hearers of Thy word, but doers of it. Forgive us, Our Lord, wherein we have sinned and erred against thee, uh, that uh, our sin would not hinder us from being able to receive uh, thy grace and and thy mercy that is found in Jesus Christ. Guide and direct our, our thoughts, our desires, our will, and our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me in your Bibles uh, to John Chapter Eight, Verses forty five through fifty. Once again, that was John Chapter Eight, Verses forty five through fifty. kind of breaking into the the thought that uh, Jesus was giving to the Pharisees, his words, but um, we'll do a little bit of review to pick up the context. But verse 45 begins, And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not, which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do honor, dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. By way of review from last study, the Jews had claimed that Abraham was their father, which he was in a physical sense, Jesus says in John 8, 37, I know that ye are Abraham's seed. So he acknowledges that Abraham was their father physically. But Jesus also says that he was not their father in a spiritual sense. Verses 39 through 40. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children... Ye would do the works of Abraham, but now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. And then the Jews claimed, uh, you recall, they claimed that God was their father. And again, we can certainly say, in a in a sense, yes, God was their father, because. Uh, They were a called out nation, uh, a nation that was called out by God. He became their father uh, in a national sense uh, there at Mount Sinai. They entered into covenant with God and God with them. And uh, so uh, that was true, but God was not their father in a spiritual sense. Look at verses 41 through 42. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father... You would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? So Jesus was hinting uh, that they did indeed have a spiritual father. And he continues to talk about Uh, they are of their father. But he doesn't identify who their father is until we get to verse 44. And in verse 44, he unmistakably says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. So Jesus teaches here that you can identify the father of the children by the children's desires, by the children's will, what the choices, decisions they make, and by the children's actions. And so whose desires? Whose will, whose actions did the unbelieving Jews mirror? Did they mirror God's or did they mirror Satan's? Whose character did they resemble? God's character or did they resemble Satan's character? The Lord Jesus declares here that their desires... Their will and their actions reveal them to be murderers and liars, just like their spiritual father, the devil. Very strong, uh, very uh, strongly worded. Um, again, the Lord sometimes speaks in parables, and uh, we're we're uh, asking, uh, what does that mean? And you know, thankfully the Lord interprets uh, the parables for us, but sometimes there's, <laughs> there's no question as to what he is saying, clearly. He, and This is one of those times he just is speaking directly to them and saying, ye are of your father, the devil. And I would say, before we move on to the text for tonight, if this truth that we've just been talking about, if this truth does not shake us to our very core, We are either spiritually asleep or spiritually dead. What areas of our desires, what areas of our will, the decisions, the choices we make, and the actions that we perform resemble the devil rather than resembling God? Do we care? Do we even... Uh, put our desires, our will, and our actions to the test. And once we have put them to the test, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to just leave it the way it is, or are we going to take them seriously and seek, uh, by God's grace, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to mortify them, put them to death, to take them to the cross of Jesus, So let us look at our text uh, tonight, beginning with verse 45. Jesus continues and says, And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Even the response of the Jews to the truth which Jesus taught uh, reveals who their father was. If their response was one of unbelief, who was their father? The devil uh, was their father. If their response was one of faith, then their father was God. So Jesus is saying we can tell who one's father is by way of one's response uh, to the truth, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now God may take them out of the family of the devil and bring them by his grace into the family of God. But at that time, as they manifest a lack of repentance, as they manifest unbelief, as they continue in their sin with disregard to what God says in his word, his commandments, um, they're manifesting by their desires, their will, their actions, who their father is. If most who heard Jesus and and the apostles preach and witnessed the miraculous signs, the wonders that Jesus and the apostles performed in order to confirm the truth, especially the truth concerning um, uh, his death, his resurrection, uh, which Jesus basically, that was the greatest miracle, out of all the miracles that Jesus pointed to, which testified or confirmed who he was, confirmed the truth that, that he proclaimed, uh, he continually points to uh, the the prophet his prophesied death, uh, burial, and resurrection. And if any of those did not happen, if they did not come true, uh, then it uh, it was all a sham. Uh, he was a charlatan uh, or a lunatic, uh, but not the Lord God. Um, and uh, so he continues to point in that direction. And these Jews heard that. Uh, these, these unbelieving Jews continued to hear it, but they did not receive uh, uh, the Lord Jesus by faith alone. They did not submit to his lordship. That was their response. They did not do so. And so, dear ones, if, if that was the response of, of the Jews who actually heard the Lord Jesus preach, if that was the response of those who saw the miracles of Jesus Christ, let us not be surprised that most today with whom we share the gospel, whether family members or their friends, Let us not be surprised that they're going to treat the truth of Jesus Christ in the same way that the Jews did at that time. Let us not be shocked. Um, Because it's it's not the mere teaching, it's not the mere miracles that change a person's heart. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that takes the word of God And that changes a person's heart. And so that's what we pray for, is that God would, by His Spirit, grant to our children, our grandchildren, to parents, uh, to grandparents, uh, to friends, co-workers, a heart to receive the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that the servant is not greater than the master. That's the way they treated the master. Let's not be surprised if they treat us, the servants, in a similar way. Verse 46. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? So there are two questions here that uh, Jesus asks in this verse. The first question is, Which of you con- convinceth, that is, convicteth me of sin? Uh, Jesus is saying here, You've heard me preach. Uh, You've heard what I have uh, proclaimed You've seen my life. Uh, You've witnessed the miracles that I've performed. Who among you, Jesus is saying, who is there that can bring a charge of sin or error against me and can actually prove it? Not just, just make the charge, but can actually prove the charge that's brought against me. Who among you can do that? You know, Jesus is basically, by way of this question, challenging them uh, uh, to show that he's not sin, uh, that, that he's a sinful person, uh, and that uh, to prove that he's um, not sinless, uh, that he—that he, that he uh, is not righteous, absolutely and perfectly righteous. That's what he's basically saying. You know, it's easy to bring an accusation, is it not? Uh, against somebody but not so easy to prove uh, that the accusation is true that is brought that's why the Lord uh, throughout the Bible uh, says that there must be two or three witnesses uh, to prove that an accusation made is true There must be, again, according to the Old Testament scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 17, uh, verses 6 through 7, in judicial cases, uh, that there be two or three witnesses, uh, that, that one is not to be charged uh, in a civil case merely upon the witness of one person, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 16 through 17. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 17, verses 6 through 7. At the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands. Of all the people so thou shalt put the evil away from among you but the idea again not only in uh, death uh, penalty uh, cases but that was just again a general um, maxim principle that that one was not to be accused judicially of something unless there were two or three credible witnesses. And the testimony, not only two or three credible witnesses, but that the testimony is agreeable to God's law, agreeable to to Scripture. One can't simply dream up uh, some accusation and say, well, I've got two or three witnesses who uh, saw this happen, but it not be agreeable to God's word. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. That's, uh, that's not going to be a just accusation uh, brought against someone. Here the Jews brought false accusations against Jesus Christ. Uh, in John five eighteen. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, according to them, but also... Said that God was his father, making him himself equal with God. In the first case, uh, the accusation was was false; he had not broken the Sabbath, but only their interpretation. In the second case, their accusation was true; he did make himself out to be uh, equal to the father, because uh, he was the son of God. Uh, but again, the accusation. There was brought against Christ that he had broken the Sabbath, and in John eight forty eight, this very chapter, John eight forty eight. Then they answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast the devil? Uh, so the accusation. We'll get to this verse uh, this evening. Basically, the accusation is. Uh, uh, that he was born of fornication, his father uh, was a Samaritan, and uh, furthermore, that, that he is possessed by a devil, uh, that he's able to perform the works that he's able to perform because uh, it's through Satan's power that he is doing what he's doing. So Jesus, uh, again, was, was charged with uh, these accusations. In Matthew chapter 26, at his trial, in verses uh, 59 through 61. This was for the uh, high priest, this portion of his trial. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death they weren't even looking they didn't they weren't trying to find the truth they had gone out of their way to find false witnesses and uh, we read in verse 60 but they found none they found no false witnesses yea though many false witnesses came yet found they none at the last came two false witnesses and said this fellow said i am able to destroy the temple of god and to build it in three days again uh, the attempt on the part of the uh, sanhedrin here to find false witnesses and to coax them to pay them off uh, in order to bring Testimony against Jesus, they could not deal with the truth. They could not find errors, even what, even the the fact that uh, Jesus said destroy. uh, He said this temple. So that's not even an accurate representation. The temple of God. Uh, He was not talking about that temple of God. The the that was built out of uh, stone. He was talking about his body. Uh, and so there was even a false testimony of witness given in the words that these false witnesses brought against the Lord Jesus. But again, um, uh, they could not make accusations stick. Uh, you know, then they brought many accusations against Jesus, but they could not prove their accusations. So it's not merely bringing accusations. It's being able to prove those accusations uh, that is uh, most important. And uh, Jesus eventually, uh, in his trial uh, in Matthew 26, um, because they didn't have true witnesses, all they had were false witnesses, the high priest is, is so flustered because they want to condemn Jesus, they finally say, you know, put him under an oath, And uh, basically, to say to him, uh, Are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God? And he says, You've said it. It's true. And so Jesus voluntarily accuses himself because he is showing his life was not taken from him, he gave up his life willingly for us, his people. And so he, in effect, became a witness against himself that those things they said, which they called blasphemous, uh, were not blasphemous because they were true. Uh, He was the Christ, he was the Son of God. As we said, uh, this matter of two or three witnesses, judicial due process due judicial process is not only true in the civil realm it's also true in the ecclesiastical realm in Matthew 18 where Jesus says uh, that if a a brother sins against you that you go to him privately and if uh, uh, he does not repent then you bring two or three witnesses and if he does not Hear the witnesses. Then you bring it before uh, the court of the church, and so even in ecclesiastical cases, uh, the matter of two or three witnesses is necessary. is very, very uh, important. Um, and this is true. This is true in the case of the general membership of the church and how we treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, uh, which basically says, uh, I think, to all of us, how careful are we in what we share with one another, what we pass along to one another? We hear it from one person, and we pass that information on to another person. How have we been fair and right, and how have we been just in God's sight when we do that? When we are simply receiving a report from one person, without there being two or three credible witnesses and that testimony being according and agreeable to the word of God. But if that's true and how we are to conduct ourselves by way of the brotherhood, the brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's also true with how church officers are to be treated as well that there is not to be entertained a charge against a church officer unless there are two or three credible witnesses and their testimony being according to and agreeable to God's word 1 Timothy chapter 5 uh, verse 19 This is uh, laid out for us, presented to us very, very uh, clearly by the Apostle Paul. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Don't even receive it. Uh, Don't entertain it. Don't tell somebody else. Do you know what somebody said about uh, elder so-and-so? Or deacon so and so you're not even to entertain it receive it, pass it along and uh, so this is how we are to protect one another the good name of one another we throw that out the window and none of our good names are protected if we simply discard that rule <clears throat> That's how we bring, again, not peace into the church. That's how we destroy peace within the church. That's how we destroy the good name of one another. It's by not requiring two or three witnesses when we hear something by way of a report about somebody. These aren't suggestions. Uh, these aren't suggestions. Uh, These are commandments uh, from the Lord. Commandments that God has given to us. And in fact, the Lord calls this very thing, not a minor thing, he calls it an abomination. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. Notice. Notice a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among brethren there's not a better way to sow discord among brethren than to spread rumors that are unconfirmed not confirmed by two or three credible witnesses that and that testimony according to and agreeable to the word of god it's an abomination to to the lord And so we need to, again, each of us, be ever so careful. What we hear publicly, certainly that all people hear at the same time, is quite different than what we hear privately. When we hear something publicly, say you hear an error from this pulpit, you all hear it at the same time, that's quite different. The whole whole congregation has heard the error. When... uh, Uh, peter uh, by his public example denied the gospel of jesus christ by previously eating with the gentiles but then when the jews came from jerusalem changing uh, his practice and began eating only with the jews paul publicly um, corrected him and uh, said this this is wrong uh, uh peter uh in effect, uh, you're compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ. But again, when we receive things privately, like that's what we're talking about here in this particular instance. So the first question, which of you convinceth or convicteth me of sin? The second question, uh, Jesus asked, and if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? Since no one can prove uh, here Jesus is in sin or error, no one responded when he said, "Which of you convinc- convinceth or convicteth me of sin or of error?" No one spoke out. Uh, their silence uh, indicates, uh, basically confirms the fact that they could not accuse him, lawfully, of any sin or error. But uh, uh, so the Lord Jesus says, inasmuch as you can't convict me of any sin or error, why don't you believe what I'm saying? Why don't you believe the truth that I'm, that I'm bringing to you? For I can only speak the truth. I can only uh, speak that which is faithful that I receive from God. The Jews could not deny what Christ has said, and so, so they were silent. <clears throat> Verse 47, Jesus continues, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So here is a, an evidence that one is of God. In other words, that God is his Father. God is her father. The evidence is that one hears God's words. And again, not simply physically with one's natural ears, hears God's words, but hears with faith, hears with love, hears with obedience, hears with repentance. Hears with delight God's words. That's the kind of hearing that Jesus is talking about here, not just a mere casual hearing with one's natural ears. The reason the Jews would not hear with faith, love, and obedience, what Jesus is teaching, Jesus says, is because they're not of God. Notice he says ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. You're not God's children. He's already said, you're of your father the devil. You're not of your father the, uh, God. You're of your father the devil. And this was an evidence as to who their father truly was uh, that they did not receive. They did not truly hear god 's Word they revealed um, the character once again the character reveals who the Father is of each one of us, whether God is our Father or whether the devil is our father how are we, how we respond to the truth do we rebel against it do we reject it do we resist it or do we receive it gladly? you remember what Jesus said was one evidence of those who truly are Christ's sheep. In John 10, verse 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They hear with faith, love, obedience, repentance, and they follow me. They don't just hear me, they walk in the steps that I've set before them by way of my commandments. And when they sin, they follow me. They follow Christ by way of their repenting of their sin. That's what the Lord has told us to do. By way of repenting of their sin, by way of seeking his forgiveness, by way of renewing their obedience, to walk in his ways. So his sheep hear his voice. The Lord knows who they are. He knows by way, of his, uh, by way of election, by way of having chosen them in Christ Jesus before the world began. So the shepherd knows the sheep. He can't be deceived uh, by way of some pretense on the part of the, someone who professes to be a sheep, but is not. He knows the sheep and those who are a sheep follow him. But notice here in verse 47, at the end of verse 47, the wording of this statement by the Lord Jesus. Jesus does not say here, ye therefore are not of God, because ye hear not my words, or hear not God's words. If that was what Jesus has said, he would be saying that the cause as to why they are not God's children is because they don't hear with faith God's words. Now, that would be true, as the hearing of faith is an instrumental cause in becoming a child of God, but that's not what Jesus says. He's not talking about, again, the, the cause, the instrumental cause. He's talking here about the efficient cause, Jesus says just the opposite. Notice, he says, Ye do not hear, that is, hear with faith, my words, or God's words, because ye are not God's children. He's emphasizing the fact that the reason they can't believe, the reason they can't hear, is because they've not been born again by the power of God. It's what Jesus or what we many, many studies back in John chapter one, verse 13, speaking about those who are uh, born of God, says, "Which were born not of blood, natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh by way of one's natural will nor of the will of man, not by way of, of a minister or some, a priest or a pope. They're not born by way of the will of man, but who are born of God. Born of God. And so uh, here we see it's in John one thirteen. It's being born again by which God grants us faith to trust in him. The efficient cause of our hearing with faith and love and obedience, the efficient cause, not the instrumental cause, but the efficient cause, is God and His power alone. The instrumental cause is, again, faith. Uh, that's the instrument that God uses. That we uh, become the children of God, but the uh, but the efficient cause it's God who causes us to be born again, and that's what Jesus is emphasizing here. It's what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John three three. Um, you cannot. Verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so unless one is born again, he cannot see, he cannot believe um, uh, uh, to even see the kingdom of God. John eight forty eight then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast the devil? It's a very familiar and sinful, yet sinful response uh, on the part of unbelievers, and sadly, of believers as well, uh, that if one cannot respond to a biblical truth to simply attack the speaker, Uh, we call that an ad hominem response, which literally means, uh, ad hominem means to the person. Uh, attack the person attack the messenger not the message because one cannot really refute the message and so go after the speaker the messenger let us not be let us not be uh, those who use that type of response an ad hominem type of response let us not be those who treat brethren in this way or treat even unbelievers in this way. Let us speak the truth in love, praying that the Lord would use the truth that has been spoken, even if even if they respond by way of ad hominem arguments or responses against us, let us nevertheless pray that the Lord will use the truth that has been given them to them to change their hearts and to convert them and to uh, take them from, if they're in error, take them from error to professing that which is faithful and true. If we do not want to be treated that way, have others attacking us by way of calling us names, by way of ta- attacking us personally, uh, as they do here, Jesus say, "We not well that thou art a Samaritan." That's a uh, that's attack against him, an uh argument, and hast a devil. That's that's again saying he's demon possessed. They're, they're not they're not presenting something uh, for discussion uh, or debate. They're simply asserting, making charges an inhominent argument or response. But if we do not want to be treated that way, let us be very careful that we do not treat one another that way, that we do not treat others that way. As I said earlier, um, this accusation or charge of being a Samaritan likely refers to as being born of fornication, which denies the miraculous birth, his incarnation denies his miraculous birth. And the uh, accusation brought against him as being demon-possessed, this accusation obviously denies his deity. It denies his absolute righteousness, sinlessness. And basically, uh, those assertions completely un- undermine uh, if, if they were true, would completely undermine uh, the atonement uh, for all of our sin as God's people. Uh, they claimed, the Jews claimed, that the works of Jesus uh, were the works of the devil. These were blasphemous accusations. They were not true. They were false. Uh, they were ad hominem attacks against the Lord Jesus. So when we're attacked, uh, we can go to someone who knows what it's like to be attacked, right? Uh, we can, uh, when, we're, when we feel betrayed, we can go to one uh, who was betrayed and know that he understands all that we're going through uh, and how we feel uh, at being betrayed, uh, being maligned, uh, being persecuted. <coughs> Verse 49 Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father and ye do dishonor me. So he denies the, the ad hominem accusation, I have not a devil. Uh, so he doesn't want that to, in anyway, way, um, remain uh, for people because he's, he's talking again publicly. This is going on publicly in the temple. So he denies uh, that accusation and makes clear that their false accusations are are not just leveled uh, against him, but they are leveled against his father who sent him. He says, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. Uh, And in dishonoring him, in dishonoring Jesus, they also dishonor the father who sent him. Verse 50 And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. So Jesus is saying here that he was sent by the Father upon a divine mission. And he does not seek his own glory, but he seeks the glory of his Father. Uh, There we see the humility of the Lord Jesus Not taking glory unto himself, but giving glory to his Father. That is, dear ones, the evidence, I I would submit to you, that's the evidence of humility in our lives. When we outwardly and inwardly give glory to God for whatever we receive, for whatever we're able to do, that we give glory to God rather than robbing him of his glory. Being like uh, Daniel, uh, which we have read of recently and uh, preached from on the Lord's Day, uh, when he was exalted uh, after the interpretation of the dream, uh, he brought his three friends with him, uh, basically saying, uh, we all prayed together together for the revelation of this dream and the understanding and the interpretation of the dream uh, Daniel saying I'm not going to receive all the credit for this uh, first of all he gives God the credit but even beyond that he says these three friends who joined with me in prayer who united their hearts with me in praying and calling out to God These also uh, are those who, uh, O king, uh, should be rewarded as well. When Jesus says there is one that seeketh and judgeth, uh, he's referring to the Father. He's referring to God the Father who seeks. There is one that seeketh. Seeketh what? The Father seeks the glory of Jesus Christ. He seeks Christ's glory. He seeks to glorify Christ. And as Christ is glorified, Christ glorifies the Father. There's one that seeketh and and also judgeth. And so the Father seeks Christ's glory and the Father judges those who do not seek Christ's glory it's not simply that people are judged and condemned on that last day of judgment for unforgiven and unrepentant sins of having broken God's commandments. That's certainly true. But ultimately, ultimately, the sin, we might say, above all sins, for which people will be condemned on that final day of judgment is that they have not glorified Jesus Christ they have not glorified Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord as prophet, priest and king as fully God and fully man as the mediator as our intercessor that's what people will ultimately be judged for, for not glorifying Jesus Christ. Not worshiping him as God, receiving, not receiving his gospel of salvation, not loving him, not keeping his commandments and not honoring him. It all revolves around what we have done with Jesus Christ, how we have treated him, how we have honored him or dishonored him, how we have reverenced him or not reverenced him, because, and how we have loved him or not loved him, because if we, if we reverence him, if we honor him, if we love him, if we trust him, we're going to obey him. We're going to keep his commandments. And so our only hope as we close, our only hope in in this world and in the world to come is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not our keeping, our attempt to keep God's law. It's not being covenanters. It is not uh, um, our relationship to Christian parents or grandparents. It's not any of those things. Ultimately, our only hope in this world and in the world to come is Jesus. Jesus Christ. His death, his resurrection, his ascension, his redemption, his sanctification, his glorification. The center of our faith, dear ones, is not the cross. Listen to me closely. It's not the cross. The cross without Jesus Christ upon it having suffered and died and bore your sins and mine. The cross means nothing apart from Jesus Christ upon that cross. And so to simply have a symbol of a cross that does not take into view that that cross is only efficient and only a means by which Jesus Christ suffered and died. And if Jesus is not, is not on that cross, I'm not saying that Jesus, that we should symbolize and put Jesus in, in symbols upon that cross. We're not to, again, uh, symbolize or to signify or to represent uh, in anything we make, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. But again, for people simply to have crosses on their church Empty crosses. Uh, Again, what is that saying? It's not the cross. It's Jesus. The cross is meaningless apart from Jesus. It means nothing without Jesus who was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and is seated at God's right hand. They stand with me in prayer, our Father. We thank Thee and praise Thee for Thy truth. That Thou has given to us evidence of that we are Thy children is that we receive the truth. We we hear. Uh, with faith and love and obedience and repentance Lord we pray that thou would would grant as we have closed this time of study uh, addressing how so many exalt the cross uh, without Christ uh, an empty cross it is not an empty cross, Lord, that we look to. It is a savior, a, a risen savior who did die upon that cross, but has been raised from the dead and is no longer on that cross. And therefore to continue to for people to put Jesus back on that cross by way of images is also a lie. We ask our Lord that Thou would, by Thy grace, uh, strengthen our hearts. May we be more and more daily conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Less and less conformed to our own sinful image. Less and less looking in various parts of our life like the devil and more and more in our lives looking like mirroring, having the characteristics, the fruit of the Spirit that comes from Jesus Christ. May it be of concern to us. May we examine our hearts as we, as we should always do when we hear thy word, to examine our hearts with the questions uh, that were posed. Who do we look like in these areas of our life? And do we care? And what are we going to do about it? Lord, stir up our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any questions? Uh, Yes, Tom? Yeah, um, I have a question about how uh, two or three witnesses relates to how we administer justice in this country today as relates to Circumstantial evidence in a court case, or forensic evidence, those kinds of things. Those are people, right? I understand what I mean. Yes, yes. Well, I, I think that again, technology obviously uh, can put people. Uh, you know, by way of uh, DNA, blood can put people at a, at a particular scene uh, of a crime or something of that nature. But uh, should that alone uh, be um, the, uh, the the testimony, um, it's as if to say God didn't realize that technology of this nature would one day be available when he said by two or three witnesses. There's still something, I believe, very important about two or three witnesses. Now, maybe someone might want to say that's one witness, um, but there still need to be other witnesses in addition to that. Can videos be manipulated? Uh, can they be um, um, you know used in such a way, or audio transmissions? Again, that may be one witness, but uh, I, I wouldn't make that count for all. You know, for all the witnesses that are necessary, necessarily, I, I still think that um, there's something to be said about two or three credible witnesses that we don't just discard the the idea um, and uh, fall back on mere circumstantial uh, kind of evidence and testimony. Yeah, you know, circumstantial evidence seems to be the weakest. You know, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah, so i that that's, that would be my, my thought on it. All right, so it's it's a bit lacking the way they're I, I think so. Administering it these days. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Any any other questions? All right. You are dismissed.